Welcome to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. In this podcast, financial planner Peter Raskin helps families and business owners understand and prepare for their wealth journey. Along the way, thoughtful and detailed planning can provide clarity and confidence as clients confront a multitude of financial decisions. Listen in as Peter shares stories and insight into people's wealth journeys. Now, let's get into today's podcast. Hello and welcome to Wealth is in the Details with Peter Raskin from Raskin Planning Group. Good morning, Peter. How are you? I'm fine, Eric. How about yourself? Oh, doing fantastic. I'm... uh... We're recording this in September. I can't believe it's already September, which is crazy. I know. I know. Uh, because two things, it's crazy. Because number one, it's this year has gone by so fast. Even with everything that's happened, it's gone by very quickly. And then, the, of course, the other crazy piece is that we have election coming up, and that's always crazy. <laughs> so <laughs> It is. Yeah. It's uh, this, another kind of silly season. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I know that that's actually what you are talking about today, and we're going to discuss the election a bit and we're going to discuss markets and we're going to discuss all these different things but i kind of have a question for you right off the bat elections and the markets right it seems like these two subjects are talked about in the same breath a lot especially within the media and market commentators and presidents especially or presidents you know people hoping to be president are often linking the performance of markets with the effectiveness of a president or government policies or Congress or Senate or, you know, all the politicians. But I want your opinion. Is there truly a link between those two? Eric, I do not believe there is any real link. (laughs) Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I really don't. I think elections and markets have two things in common, and it's uncertainty and anxiety. Now, elections matter, and they certainly have consequences for individuals all the time throughout our country. And there's uncertainty and there's with elections, and with uncertainty comes anxiety. And, and I think this 2020 election year really seems especially interesting, that's one word for it, and certainly momentous. Mm-hmm. It's, been an, it's been an unbelievable year. And, I, and I've said this over the last six months in all my podcasts. Everyone, I think I'm talking about this. This year has just been so unusual and unprecedented. You know, mm-hmm. we, we started the year with a presidential impeachment trial. We then moved into a global pandemic, which caused a recession, a global recession. Mm-hmm. We've had financial market volatility. Uh, we've had police brutality. We've had racial unrest. We've had protests. We've had, there's been violence. For longer than the last six months, we've had a lot of political nastiness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and natural disasters are coming fierce, c- coming upon us fiercely, you know, fires and hurricanes. And, and just, it feels like a lot. I know for me personally, uh, and, I, and I imagine for you as well, it's really been an, an unsettling time. It's it, been it tough. It really has. Right? Uh, yeah. For, for, I've heard it from a lot of people. Yes. There's a, uh, even if we're fine personally, and from a health and financial perspective, there's a, an underlying anxiety and strain, I think, on everyone. And, and, and many people certainly have had it far worse. Just personally, we're fine. My kids are fine. My dad mm-hmm. and, and all our siblings are fine. Kids have had some disappointments due to, due to COVID-19, but you know, they're, they're, res, real, they're resilient. 
They're going to get through this. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I'd say it's really been super painful hearing about so many around the country that that have experienced real losses and are suffering and and, and even dying. So I, I think all these these things have increased our real our, our entire society's level of anxiety and made these elections feel even so so important. That's why I wanted to talk about the elections and the markets because I think there's this there's this tremendous anxiety out there. So today, what I thought I'd do is really uh, describe an article I, I recently read, a white paper produced by one of the investment firms we do some work with, Invesco. They're a, a well-respected global financial services company, and I read this and I said, and I really shared the author's perspective, and I thought it might be of interest to our our listeners. And the the author, who's the a very a key person at, at Invesco relative to investments, describes the ten truths no matter who wins. I love that title. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's time for some truths, right? I mean, that's yeah. that's what we really need instead of all the hype and the media trying to sell their advertising space by doing shock and awe kind of garbage. I love the truths, and and here's the thing, audience. Peter sent me the 10 truths and I'm, I'm really looking forward to your commentary on it, Peter, because all I have are the truths. And so I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of chomping at the bit. Are you ready to go? <laughs> I'm ready. All right. Here's truth. Number one, markets have performed well under both parties. Yeah. There's a, a, a belief that one party might be better for the markets than the other, but in fact, over the past 75 years through both democratic and Republican administrations, the S&P 500 index, which is a, a proxy of large company stocks in the U.S., has delivered an average annual return of 11% over the last 75 years, both through both Democratic and Republican administrations. Mm. Uh, the stock market's return was negative during a presidential administration only the, when the country was in a financial crisis in 2008 mm -hmm. or experiencing um, significant stagflationary spiral which was in 1973. So if we look at just history, neither party can claim superior economic or financial market performance. And that's, a, that's just a truth. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. And I've, I've actually never heard the term of, I think you said stagflationary spiral. That's kind of daunting. Yeah, <laughs> well back, if you remember the seventies, we experienced significant inflation. Yeah. And it just, because of that, the economy was really very stagnant for, for, for a long period of time. That's right. All right, truth number two, investors are better off staying fully invested. Uh, this, is, this is such an important truth. So let's compare three investors that invested $10,000 in the Dow Jones Industrial Average uh, since 1896, long time. So the, the best performing portfolio over the past 120 years was one that stayed fully in, invested through both Democratic and Republican administrations. Hmm. Uh, partisan portfolios, which would only invest when a Democrat or a Republican was in office, underperformed by millions of dollars. Wow. <laughs> the, the bipartisan portfolio that stayed, invest, stayed invested regardless of who was in power did the best. Wow, that's that's crazy. I, I, yeah, you would think that one would do better than the other, right? And that's just, no. huh? Yeah. Well, well, there you go. Yeah. 
the, the more time you spend investing in the markets, the better off you'll do financially. So it's really about, it's more about time than it is about who's in, who's in power. Yeah. And, and you've said it time and time again on this podcast. And if you haven't heard these podcasts, go back and listen to Peter. He's consistent. Don't try to time the markets. Don't try to time them. And, and I think that people think of highs and lows in the market as, as far as how to time it, but even timing it to who's in office, that's still timing the market and you're going to fail. <laughs> it's not going to go right. well. Okay. Truth number three, we do not radically re-engineer the U.S. economy. Yeah. I mean, this is such an interesting, I've had so many interesting conversations with people about what might happen. And it's among the biggest fears among investors that, that a, a progressive candidate might you know, radically re-engineer the economy. Mm -hmm. But remember, all presidents need control of Congress to get anything done. And our system of checks and balances has resulted, just for an example, in the last two presidents getting only one signature achievement before losing the House. And if they don't have the House, they, they, they can't do anything. Mm. Uh, so we just, we take steps, the pendulum moves, but it doesn't dramatically change things. So despite concerns about major government changes, business investment and, and government spending ha have really, despite concerns about major government policy changes, business investment and government spending have basically stayed the same as a percentage of gross domestic product or GDP. So even throughout these, the, this, all of these years, where Republicans are in office, Democrats are in office, uh, you know, th that the allocation of our resources between government spending and, and capital investment haven't really changed as a percentage of the entire economy. Hmm. So even though there's enactment of, of, of big government spending programs or tax cuts, the S&P 500 has still achieved returns of about 10% since 1957. It just continues. Hmm. That's a good truth. I like that. Yeah. This next one is interesting. I, I don't, uh, I don't quite understand this truth, but I know you're going to explain it. Truth number four, the historical narrative isn't as you remembered. Yeah. So, you know, we think we remember what happened historically. We, we think that, that one presidential administration may have been better or worse for the economy, but in fact, it's not so clear. So we attempt to use historical nav narratives to inform our future. Mm -hmm. But the fact is we don't necessarily always get history right. And, and I just want to give a few examples. So a lot of people don't remember that, that President Carter presided over significant job growth during his presidency. Hmm. Uh, he only served one term and there were other issues that got him unelected. Mm -hmm. But during that time, there was significant job growth. Un under Reagan, income for those in the 50th percentile of the population ranked by income grew by almost 20%. So despite inflation, tax cuts, the wealthier, th those part of the, the, the wealthier income earners in our, in our um, economy actually had very significant income growth. Uh, another example is, is during Obama's presidency, despite concerns that his policies would be massively inflationary, the U.S. had one of the longest disinflationary environments on record. 
So if you remember, Obama uh, became president during the, the, at the very beginning of the Great Recession, and there was significant fiscal stimulation. The government borrowed a lot of money, plowed a lot of money back into the, uh, into the economy. And uh, there was concern that that was going to be inflationary. In fact, we haven't seen inflation uh, since well before 2008. And just last example, under President Trump, capital expenditures or, or business investment have really been below their historical growth rate. Even in the aftermath of this huge corporate tax cut, which occurred at the beginning of his presidency. So the, the ex expectation was that it was going to be really good for business investment income because of these tax cuts. In fact, we haven't really seen it play out that way. Hmm. So yeah. his, his, our, our historical narrative isn't always so accurate. Yeah, I, I think it can be skewed very easily by where somebody sits, left or right, yeah, and it, what, what it, they're exactly. listening to, right? Yeah. Yep. All right, truth number five. Signature legislative accomplishments are infrequent, and the impact isn't always as expected. What does that mean? <laughs> well, this means that our predictions and assessments about the, the impact of how legislation is going to affect our world are, are often removed from, from the actual results, meaning what people predict are going to happen doesn't necessarily happen. Mm -hmm. So just again, I'm just going to give you some examples. It was predicted that the Affordable Care Act, which was passed, you know, the Ob Obamacare, was going to basically destroy small businesses. But since 2010, 8.6 million jobs have been added in this sector. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. It just, it, another example, the Tax Cut and Jobs Act of 2017, which, which uh, uh, President Trump uh, passed, was, was going to unlock all these capital expenditures by businesses because of the reduction in corporate tax, the corporate tax rate. But uh, in fact, that didn't happen. And, you know, there are other factors that can't come into play. And that's always the case. There are other issues that, that adjust kind of what actually happens and proves that our predictions are often wrong. So one reason that, that we don't see the, the significant investment growth was that um, we've had the trade wars going mm -hmm. on. And now we've had COVID. Those are all reasonable uh, reasons that we haven't seen significant business growth. But the fact is we haven't. And, and in both cases, uh, both Ob Obama as well as uh, Trump lost single party rule. They both lost the House of Representatives after they passed their significant legislative accomplishments. And, and therefore, they haven't been able to continue making those mm -hmm. big major changes. Yeah, yeah. All right. You, you kind of alluded to it in this last part. But truth number six is predictions tend to be wrong. Yeah, it, it, uh, more often than not, we avoid making market calls based on presidential elections. And, and the reason is because we just rarely get it right. So uh, the past 10 years, we've got, I think, two good case studies. We've got two real different presidents who've had similar market performance. We've had great stock markets in both the Obama presidency, as well as the Trump presidency, the Trump policies were going to jumpstart the economy and economic growth was going to increase. Bond yields were going to get higher. Remember, there was a time when he was complaining about interest rates being too low. And in fact, 
bond yields are lower now than they were during the Obama administration. And the, these conventional, these narratives that we talk about are often wrong. So, you know, after Obamacare, healthcare stocks were supposed to suffer. Uh, and, and meanwhile, the, the, during that period of time, the healthcare sector returned uh, over 15% annualized during the Obama mm -hmm. administration, just a little bit less than the, the S&P 500 during that same time period. So there was pr predictions, but they're, again, they're often wrong. Yeah. Predictions are like guesses, right? <laughs> <laughs> they really, certainly are. It's just, I, I really feel a lot, a lot of time, it's, it's like the weatherman, right? He's in there flipping a coin. Eh, sunny, rainy. What's it going to be? It doesn't matter if he's 50% right or 50% wrong. He still has a job the next day because somebody has to flip the coin, <laughs> right? So yeah. That's kind of how I feel about the, the media sometimes. Oh, my goodness. All right. Truth number seven. Monetary policy matters more. Yeah, we, we, we often, we focus on the executive branch. That's, the mo that's more interesting. It's more understandable. Uh, we've got faces that we see all the time with the president and, and, certain, and with Congress as well. But one can make the argument that it's the, real, it's, it's the Federal Reserve's mon monetary policy that matters more than who's in the White House and, and who's controlling uh, Congress. You might have heard the old adage, you know, don't fight the Fed. Mm -hmm. And what we've seen is that the Fed can really make a big difference. So currently, the Fed is incredibly supportive of the economy. Uh, they're trying to support the economy during, during this recession. They've cut rates, and they've recently said that they're probably not going to incre increase rates for a long time, even if the economy starts to grow again. And historically, presidents have been hurt or, or helped by monetary conditions or monetary policy. Uh, both Clinton and Reagan benefited from, from falling interest rates. Both George H.W. Bush and George W. Bush were hurt by Fed tightening and, and, and increased interest rates and, and recessions as well. Obama benefited from this low rate environment and, and during Trump's first two years, the Fed increased rates. And despite this recovery, uh, the economy is still in recession. So it's, the mon it's monetary policy, it it's interest rates uh, that are really more important to our, our, the markets than, than who's in charge. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. All right. Truth number eight. It's okay if you don't like the president. The markets don't care. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love this one. I love this one. You know, it, it, you just you don't have to love who's what's happening in in, in Washington D.C. Some some of the best returns in the market have come when when presidential approving approval ratings were in the low range, of between thirty six and fifty percent. So even though most people may not like the president, markets can still do well. So it just, it just, there just isn't a, di a direct relationship between the popularity of the president and the health of the U.S. economy and the performance of financial markets. It just isn't there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right, getting close to the end. Here's truth number nine. No, this isn't the most vitriolic election. Yeah, vitriol and, and anger and nastiness just always been part of our political process. Even though our founding fathers were, were, were staunch supporters of the free press, 
they were frustrated and upset by the coverage they received. Uh, so I know this is a long time ago, but he, even George Washington said, and I, and I quote, that newspapers filled with all the invective that disappointment, ignorance of facts, and malicious falsehoods could invent to misrepresent my politics. And, and Thomas Jefferson said, nothing can now be believed which is seen in a newspaper. Truth itself becomes suspicious by being put into that polluted vehicle. Hmm. So it may not be quite as as catchy as um, as fake news, <laughs> but again, presidents have been complaining about the press forever. And remember, Alexander Hamilton, who was the U.S. Treasury Secretary, was killed by Vice President Aaron Burr in a duel in 1804. So again, there's been significant nastiness in our history and and it's not it's really bad now but it's been with us forever i think that's just an important thing to consider yeah i'm 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 thinking there might be a somewhat large percentage of the population that would say let's just go ahead and go back to the days of dueling and let let these two do a duel and then just let that figure it out so yeah i don't think it's the best but uh i don't know the closer we get the more i might be on that side who knows yeah i don't know I, I don't know if that's it's so helpful yeah but probably not yeah <laughs> uh, but of course everybody has their own opinion right that, that's the whole yes, problem that's right <laughs> all right truth number 10 peter we're wrapping it up here don't confuse partisan politics with market analysis yeah i i've been saying for a long time now that i'm out of the prediction game it just isn't worth my time or energy, sports, markets, elections, and in some cases, even weather. <laughs> I just don't, I just don't want to be uh, mm -hmm. trying to predict anything. I, I'd rather spend my time being prepared, no matter how things turn out. Yeah. So, so remember pundits, the pundits that you hear are sometimes correct, no doubt about it, but they're often wrong. Mm -hmm. And just two, more recent examples, there was a, an economist uh, my, uh, at Stanford University, Michael Boskin, who predicted in 2009 that Obama's new policy or uh, new policies are destroying the Dow Jones Industrial Average, and they're designed to restructure the market-based economy. That was in 2009, and he was just wrong. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. um, a, a well-respected economist. And in 2016, billionaire investor. NBA team owner Mark Cuban uh, said that there was no doubt that markets will fail if Donald Trump is elected. And that was just wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And those are just two examples. Turn on the news any day and you're going to hear someone predicting something. What they don't do is they don't come out the next day and say they were, they were wrong. Mm -hmm. They just keep on predicting. Exactly. <laughs> They keep flipping that coin, right? Yeah, and and the fact is that, that the world is just too complicated, too complicated. Too many inputs uh, that need to be right for things to to play out as people uh, predict. Mm -hmm. It just it just is too it's just too difficult. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen. I think about it as a pendulum. Think about the pendulum swing a little bit to the right, a little bit to the left, but for the most part, we're we're staying somewhere in that middle. We're going to have higher tax rates. We're going to have lower tax rates. I'm not saying these things don't matter. They do. They affect people. Yeah. But just don't, don't try to predict what's going to happen. 
Well, to continue with your analogy, no matter which way the pendulum swings, the time keeps ticking, right? That's right. So exactly. That's that's just that's what we know. Peter, thank you so much for bringing this white paper to our attention. I know that at the end of this podcast, you're going to give people an opportunity to to reach out to you and, and, and get a hold of this so they can review it for themselves. I love the fact that you're bringing truths to the podcast. But one of the other things that you do so well is you bring answers. And so my question after learning all these truths or hearing all these truths uh, from you is, if there's no clear correlation between the elections and markets, what are we supposed to do? What are investors supposed to do at this point? Yeah. Yeah. Again, elections matter. So I'm not discounting it. Policies affect people. They affect sectors of the economy. Mm -hmm. uh, tax laws make a difference. Government policies affect us both personally, financially. So all these things happen. But our political system is just so big and so complicated that predicting just is it, it's just impossible. My advice is to focus on the things you can control. Focus on your expenses, your cash flow, manage your risk by diversifying assets, purchasing insurance when it's appropriate, save for your future, take advantage of compound interest, be tax aware, you know, all the things that we talk about on a regular basis with our clients. This is what the fin financial planning process is all about. So prepare for storms, mm -hmm. but hope for sunny days, stay organized. And based on reasonable assumptions, plan for your future, no matter, no matter who is president or which party controls Congress. Yeah, absolutely. Peter, again, thank you so much uh, for your time today. Can you give people information where they can get that white paper and, and uh, how they can reach out to you? Yeah, so please go to my website at uh, raskinplanning.com. It'll be under the, the resource section. It's, it's from a, a, the financial services firm in Invesco. Or send me an email at uh, peter.raskin Peter at lfg.com and ask for the, the Invesco uh, white paper and, and, and we'll get it to you. Fantastic. Peter, again, thank you so much for your time today and thank you for bringing the truth. Oh, absolutely. My pleasure. All right. And the last thank you goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast with Peter Raskin. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Peter comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. And think right now, who do you know that needs to hear the truth? Who do you know that maybe you've had lengthy conversations about politics? <laughs> And I think we can all agree that these truths cross both party lines and they, they really are for everyone. So please share this podcast with them. It'll give you something, maybe neutral ground to talk about in the future. That'd be great. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Raskin Planning Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.
Peter Raskin is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors, securities offered through Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker, dealer, member SIPC, investment advisory services offered through Sagemark Consulting, a division of Lincoln Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor, insurance offered through Lincoln Affiliates and other fine companies. Raskin Planning Group is not an affiliate of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances.